Section 121 of United States Senate Election Expulsion and Censure Cases, 1793-1990, to by Anne M. Butler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Case 119. Henry D. Hatfield, 1875-1962, to versus Rush D. Holt, 1905-1955, to West Virginia. Election case, April 19, 1935, to June 21, 1935. Issues, qualifications, age, runner-up ruled ineligible even if winner fails to qualify. Chronology, petition received April 19, 1935, referred to committee, April 19, 1935. Committee report, June 19, 1935. Senate vote, June 21, 1935. Result, Holt retained seat. Background. The 1934 West Virginia senatorial campaign of Rush D. Holt centered on the candidate's youthfulness, a topic widely discussed in the press and at state political gatherings. Holt had not yet reached the constitutionally mandated age of 30 when he sought and won the Democratic nomination in the primary and went on to victory in the general election. Although Holt placed his credentials on file with the Senate on January 3, 1935, he did not present himself in the chamber nor attempt to take the oath of office reaffirming his campaign promise to claim his seat on June 19, 1935, his 30th birthday. Statement of the Case On April 18, 1935, Holtz defeated Republican opponent, the incumbent Senator Henry D. Hatfield, filed a petition with the Senate charging that Holtz's failure to meet the constitutional age requirement invalidated his election. Hatfield therefore asked that he be declared senator, having received the next highest number of votes. The former senator further alleged that Holt had violated the West Virginia primary election laws by submitting a fraudulent eligibility certificate. Not only did the certificate, according to Hatfield, falsely state that Holt was eligible to serve in the Senate, it had been filed in a county other than the one recorded on the document. In May, a West Virginia citizens group petitioned the Senate to declare the seat vacant so that the governor could appoint a qualified person to serve until the next regular election. The Citizens Memorial and Hatfield's charges were referred to the Committee on Privileges and Elections. Response of the Senate On June 19, 1935, Rush Holt arrived in the Senate to take the oath of office. At the request of the Privileges and Elections Committee, however, he agreed to stand aside until it could present its report. A majority of the committee submitted a report favorable to Rush Holt, it dismissed as insignificant the irregularities in the eligibility certificate. 
noting that Holt had made his sworn statement before a legitimate officer of the state and that no complaints had been raised against the certificate prior to either the primary or general election. Holt had told the committee that, in swearing he was eligible, he was under the impression that since the Senate had seated Henry Clay in 1806, when he was less than 30 years old, a precedent had been set. The committee majority found the charge that Holt tried to mislead the voters about his age unsupported by the evidence, since he had made no secret that he was 29 years old and the issue had been thoroughly discussed during the campaign. The majority believed that the constitutional provision would not apply until the time Holt actually took the oath of office, and Holt had announced that he would wait to do so until his 30th birthday. The report also dismissed Hatfield's claim to the seat by restating a well-established Senate rule that the ineligibility of the winning candidate gives no title to the candidate receiving the next highest number of votes. A minority report argued that Hatfield's challenge raised the question of whether the constitutional age requirement applied on the day of the election, the day on which the term commenced, or the day on which the senator-elect took his seat. The minority believed the Constitution required a senator to be 30 years old when his term began. They pointed out that an act of Congress provided that even a senator-elect who had not yet been sworn in would be placed on the payroll at the beginning of his term if his credentials were in order. The committee minority therefore thought the election was void because Holt was not qualified when his term began. They also considered that the presentation of Holt's credentials on January 3, 1935, the addition of his name to the payroll, and his appointment of secretaries and clerks constituted an illegal attempt to claim his seat before he became eligible. Both the minority report and a separate report by Hiram W. Johnson, Republican of California, expressed concern that seating Holt would violate Senate precedents set in the earlier cases of Albert Gallatin and James Shields, see cases 1 and 21. In each of these cases, the Senate had voided the election because the winning candidate had not been a citizen for the requisite nine years. Johnson objected that the Constitution could hardly intend that a senator should have attained the age of 30 years sometime within the six years of his term. The committee reports sparked a lengthy debate on June 20th and 21st. Those who supported seating Holt stressed that a new member was a senator-elect at the beginning of his term, but did not become a senator until he took the oath of office. Walter George, Democrat of Georgia, the chairman of the Privileges and Elections Committee, 
observed that the Gallatin and Shields cases differed from that of Holt because neither of them had been a citizen for nine years, either at the beginning of his term or at the time he took the oath of office. In this case, Holt had waited to be sworn in until his 30th birthday. Asking, if one is ineligible at the time the term begins, does that bar him from later on becoming eligible? Huey Long, Democrat of Louisiana, reminded the Senate that it had seated without question a number of members who had been state governors when elected and had chosen to wait beyond the beginning of the term before resigning the governorship and being sworn in as senators. Several had waited a number of months. Robert M. LaFollette Sr. had waited a year, and Long himself had waited a year and three months before taking the oath of office. He added that a federal court had ruled that an individual did not become a senator until being sworn in. The Senate, he insisted, should only be concerned with qualifications at the time the person arrived to take the seat, and in this case, Rush Holt was qualified. Finally, on June 21st, the Senate voted 62 to 17 to adopt the committee majority's resolution permitting the senator-elect to take his oath, and Rush Holt came forward to be seated. Conclusion In this case, the Senate set two precedents. It ruled that the constitutional age qualification did not apply until a senator-elect was actually sworn in, and it reaffirmed that even if a winning candidate was ruled ineligible, the runner-up in the election would not be declared elected. In June 1937, the Senate refused to grant Henry Hatfield's request for compensation for his attorney's fees. Hatfield, who had left a distinguished career as a physician to serve in a variety of political offices, returned to the practice of medicine. He died in 1962. Rush Holt failed to be renominated in 1940 and remained in the Senate for only one term. After 1941, he served in the state legislature and devoted himself to research, an outgrowth of his earlier career as an instructor in the state teachers' college. He was unsuccessful in later attempts to win statewide office when he ran for the West Virginia governorship and the U.S. Senate. Holt died in 1955. End of Case 119 and of section 121.